0: Good morning. It's great to see everybody this morning. I want to welcome you. I'm Randy, if I haven't met you, and thanks for being here today. Some of you folks uh, uh, haven't, haven't seen your faces in a while. It's great to see you, and it's really awesome to see uh, through Facebook and through our website um, those of you who are watching at home. We'd love to see you face-to-face and hope that you can join us very, very quickly. Well, today we begin our Christmas uh, series called Advent Conspiracy. And my wife the other day asked me what that was all about. I think she was intrigued by the conspiracy part. We all are, right? Uh, I'll kind of break that out as we kind of go through this. But today, let me ask you before we start, how many of you have ever received a present and the moment you opened it, you knew you were going to re-gift it? Anybody ever get one of those? Like, eh. I mean, you look good on the outside, but inside you're like, nah, that that is not going to work. How many, another question, how many of you ever opened a gift and you knew it was so bad that you couldn't even re-gift it. And you have had those kind as well, right? I mean, you can, you can re-gift like a chia pet as a joke, but you can't re-gift a thigh master to somebody else. That doesn't work very well, you know? I, I read a survey the other day that said 56% of people received at least one unwanted Christmas gift last year. That's 142 million people, and During the Mouth tells us that we spent about $16 billion giving people gifts that they did not want. Gifts like Chia Pets, cosmetics, gift cards, candles, things like that. Things that you don't want, assume nobody else probably would want, but you receive that gift, and we spend so much money doing that. And so in this series, we're going to be looking at how we give and what we give, and And we're going to be asking an important question that we'll come back to every week. And here's the question that this is kind of all based on. Does the way that we spend time, money, and energy during Christmas time really honor Jesus and does it make Him the center of our Christmas? That is a great question, isn't it? Because our culture has created this season, we call it a season now, because we can stretch this season out back into September for some people. Some of you, I know, already had your trees up back in September. Some of you never took them down because you think they look great all year, right? Some of you have got a dozen trees scattered out throughout your house. Some of us are going to do things that have nothing at all to do with Jesus during this time. But this is the season. We put so much time, so much money, so much energy into this season around Christmas that we oftentimes forget the reason for the season, is culture around us adequately portraying Jesus at Christmas time, or does it totally miss the reason? Is your season overstuffed with parties and food and shopping and chaos, and yet at the end of it, you are left feeling empty? Do we need to conspire a plan, a better plan, to put Jesus back in his rightful place in Christmas? Well, that's what the Advent conspiracy is all about. And if you know anything about Advent, you know that the word Advent basically means, it's an old word that means coming. That's all it means. It just means the coming of Jesus. And it refers to the weeks that are leading up to Christmas every year, looking forward to the celebration of the birth of Christ. Now, I know that a lot of people celebrate Advent. In their church. There are some churches that have a, a history, a tradition of the Advent candle and the wreath and all that. And we've done some of that in the past at times. We don't do it on a regular basis. Or maybe you've done it in your homes. There, there are, there's an advent calendar that has daily or weekly readings and prayers and such. And we did that uh, one time. I remember one time we tried that when our kids were little. We thought, how cool will it be if we celebrate Christmas all month long? And so we got an advent calendar with the little windows. You probably have seen those and open them up. And uh, I remember it usually started with us uh, when, our, when, uh, when we started a fight over who got to light the candle. And then it ended with a fight about who got to blow it out. That, that's my memories of our Advent celebration. That's probably pretty sad. I mean, they're preacher kids. They're very human like everybody else. They've actually outgrown that, all of them, I think. But, but it literally is what it was. So it wasn't the best memory for us, but I hope that you've had a better memory of that, and maybe that's what you might want to do with your family. But in this spirit series, The Advent Conspiracy, we're going to try to talk about and develop a plan to celebrate Christmas in very, some very specific ways. So it's not just a vague idea. We're going to talk about some real specific things. And the reality is that we all know that many of us spend way too much money. And next week, I'm going to challenge you to spend less. There's going to be four bullet points in this plan. And one of them is spend less. But today, I'm going to challenge you, first of all, to give more, to give more. I don't don't know if you keep up with all the days that our culture designates. But Tuesday was like giving day, giving Tuesday. I believe there was Black Friday and what, small business Saturday and Cyber Monday and, and then Giving Tuesday. Thank goodness we haven't figured out what Wednesday's for yet. But, but we're going to talk about giving more today. And we're not, not going to talk about giving gifts more gifts to people that they don't want or need. But instead, we're going to talk about giving more to Jesus, which really makes sense when you think about it because it's what Christmas is really all about. It's what's supposed to be. Because God gave His perfect gift to us, Jesus, and so on his birthday, doesn't it make sense that we would give back to him? Doesn't that make sense? And our story we're going to talk about today in the Bible is demonstrated by the story about the gifts of the Magi. So we're going to read together from Matthew chapter 2. So after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They went on their way, and the star they had seen when it, when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, I, I love one of my favorite songs uh, as a kid growing up at Christmas was We Three Kings of Orient R. You know, that, that old song, right? As much as we love that, the, rea- the truth kind of wrecks that song because the magi were not really kings. They look like kings in the story, right? And that makes a great storyline, but they weren't really kings. They actually were scholars who had studied the Scripture and through them knew that a Savior, a Messiah, a king, a real king, was going to be born who would come and change all of human history. Now, who were these guys? No one really knows, but they were from the East, seemingly, and, and some have suggested that they may have been from Persia, which at one time was also Babylonia which would have been far east of Bethlehem. And if you know the Old Testament history, you know that there was a time in in Jewish history when the Jewish princes, many of them, had been taken from their land in the days of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had been taken, carried away by the Babylonians who came in and overran their country, captured them, took all the princes and, and the educated people basically out of Israel and took them over to Babylon. Later the Babylonians were overthrown by the Persians. This is all in in the Old Testament as well. And so the Persians uh, lasted longer basically than the Babylonians did. So uh, we think about Persia today, we hear about that. But this is where Daniel and all the Jewish um, educated people were, and they had lived for 70 years in exile over there. And I like to think that they had told or shared with The educated people of that day and left left Scripture for them. And these scholars studied the Jewish Scriptures, but also they studied the heavens because Scripture said that there would be a a tremendous event in the sky. In fact, there would be a new star that would erupt, that would would come to life. We know that happens every now and then. A new star came to life, and that would mark the time and the place of His birth, and that, that star would indicate where the child was. And so in all their studies, however they figured it out, they saw a star and and was born and and looking at the sky, they left their homes and they traveled for months to bring gifts to this new king. That's the intriguing part. We don't know all the details where they were from, but we know that they came and that's the reason they came. And the gifts they brought were two type of gifts. First of all, the gift of worship. And then secondly, the tangible gifts with monetary value of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we'll talk about those a little bit later on. But ever since that time, we have given gifts to each other at Christmas. I want you to think about that a second, what we have done with Jesus' birthday. Jesus was born, gifts were given to him, and now we give gifts to each other. Does that make sense? I mean, it makes you feel good, right? But how did we get there? Our giving needs to begin by giving generously to Jesus. So what if this year we gave more to Jesus than we gave everybody to everybody else? I mean, wouldn't that make sense? Because it's his birthday after all. Can you imagine going to a birthday party and giving everyone a gift but the birthday boy? Can you imagine that? I mean, would that be odd or what? I think that person would feel a little bit left out. But that's basically what we have created Christmas into being. Now, the Magi, you, you, you know, they probably were wealthy people. But you know You and I are wealthy as well. In fact, last week, Richie Phillips, one of our guys, talked about the wealth of the world and the poverty of the world and how wealthy we really are. But, but I want to just kind of emphasize that a little bit because we need to be reminded occasionally how rich we are. If I were to offer you a salary of $45,000, It might be okay, but you wouldn't exactly feel rich, would you? You would say, now bump it up to about 100K and then I'll start feeling a little richer or 200 or three, or whatever. But you know what? For 96% of the world's population, $45,000 would be wealthy for 96% of the people in our world. So you and I are probably in the top 4% of wage earners in the world, top 4% in our country. And that's rich. I mean, that is first world stuff right there. And as we know, first world people have first world problems, right? The problems that you and I had today that we complain about are things like we have bad cell phone coverage. I have two places between here and home where I drop calls. It wears me out. And I forget about it every time. So I hit those places and people are like, Randy, are you there? Are you there? I'm like, I know and I know this bad cell phone coverage. First world problem, Right? Or how about this? You can't decide whether to go, where to go on vacation. We don't know where we're going to go and jump, spend a bunch of money, you know? Or you're worried about your retirement account. Check that often because that's a concern you have. Or you're worried about slow internet. Or if you're traveling, your flight's been delayed. Or what you want isn't available on Amazon Prime. Or slow delivery. Or your show isn't streaming on Netflix. Guys, these are our problems today. (laughs) These are first world problems that we have because we are so stinking wealthy. And what about this? What about our stuff? You got some stuff? I bet you got stuff because most of us do. Americans have four times as many self-storage facilities as we do Starbucks or McDonald's. Now, I'm not talking about units, I'm talking about facilities. We have four times as many storage units, and I think this is true in Versailles, but it's true around, around the country. There are 50,000 storage facilities in the United States, and have you tried to find an empty one lately? You can't hardly find one empty because they're full, Right? And and many people don't even know what's in their storage unit, and they have paid much more in rent over the years than everything in it is even worth. I'm telling the truth. You know I am. If you've got one, shame on you, all right? Empty it out. By the way, there are only 60,000 storage facilities in the world, and the U.S. has 50,000 of them. So that means the rest of the world only shares 10,000 storage units. You can look that up online, all the minute things you can find. What I'm telling you is we are rich. We're so rich that we got stuff stored that we don't even know where it is or what it is. and, And we just keep paying to keep it because we're so rich. And we're rich enough to spend $16 billion on presents that people don't even want. Guys, isn't something wrong? And don't you think it's time that we up our game in giving to Jesus and the work that he came to establish? That's the point of all of this. Now, it's pretty natural to give to other people, right? Well, somehow we've started this habit and then we get into it and sometimes we don't know how we got started and we don't know how to stop it. I'm gonna tell you how to stop it next week, all right? Slow it down a little bit. Uh, I'll tell you how to do that without killing other, yourself or other people. But here's the thing, how do we give to Jesus? What does it mean to give to Jesus? What's that look like? Not just at Christmas time, but all throughout the year. Well, here is how we do that. Let's go to Matthew chapter 25. It says, "When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left." When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And he will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And then they will go to, away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Now, I don't know about you, but this is probably one of the most disturbing passages of Scripture in the Bible. Because it, 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 uh, it isn't a lot of gray here, is it? It describes a scene at the final judgment well, we're going to be called up to give an account on how we have given to Jesus by way of how we've given to others who are in need, basically is what it's saying. Because by giving to those in need, those in need of food, water, clothing, widows, orphans, those who do not know the gospel, we are actually giving to Jesus we are giving to Him. And how do we do that? Well, there's all sorts of charities out there, right? There's all sorts of ways that we can do that. But you know, I got to tell you, I have a real skepticism about many of these. And the reason I have a healthy skepticism is because I know that sometimes as much as 85% of what we give goes to administration and doesn't really go to the need. And that's disturbing. And it makes me very cynical about many of them. However, the way that we can give is through the local church, which is able to vet needs and work collectively through missionaries and organizations that actually are on the ground with the needy. And that's why I'm so proud of our mission work that we do here with organizations that we have vetted, people who come here and stand on the stage and talk to us, people that our mission team have, have, have talked through and listen and receive monthly information on, because we can vet those places, and we know that what they do is, is legitimate. And we know that they are on the ground with people who are needy, in need, all over the world. And so, each week, that's why we try to share an impact with you to show how your giving connects to real needs that are out there, so that we know that when we give, this is exactly where the money goes. Now, because I know... That giving makes a difference both to the giver and to those who are giving it, I can ask you to give to Jesus with no hesitation. When you give, you're not giving to me, and you're not really even giving to Journey Church. You are giving to Jesus. And the Bible commands that. In fact, in 1 Timothy 6, it says, tell those who are rich not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which will soon be gone. By the way, this is to all of us. We are rich. We've already established that, right? Do not trust in your money. It will be gone, but your pride and trust must be in the living God who always richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should give happily to those who need, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. By doing this, they will be storing up real treasures for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity and they will be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. So what does the Apostle Paul say here? He says, first of all, don't trust in your money. We feel like real wealth is in what we have in the bank. And I understand there's there's a time for that. You know, all of us understand that there's a time in our life that we work and there's a time that we can't work. And we're living longer, so we need to prepare for that, right? And so we need to be wise in that, laying aside. The Bible talks about the ant. You know, that when, when there's a time of, of a prosperity and there's stuff to gather, it gathers and then it lives through the winter. I get all of that, right? But our real wealth is not, not in what we have. It's in trusting God, the one who gives it. So use your money to do good. Give to those who are in need to help them out. But by doing so, we actually help everyone. We help the person who's in need because we give as, and we know that it's legitimate getting to them. But also, we help ourselves. How do we do that? We lay up treasures in heaven for the future. And we also live an incredibly rewarding life here. And then we also bring glory to God. I love that because that's a win, win, win all the way across the board. Versus where we think if we keep it ourselves, we get lots. And, I, and I'm the only one that wins, maybe. At least temporarily it doesn't last but it wins goes across the board when we help everyone and we give god the glory and that's another reason why i think we ought to give through to churches because an organization out there may not even be accountable but they may never give the person what they need more than anything else is jesus along with the gift of food clothes whatever it may be in the missions we support they give them the most important asset and that is jesus the gospel that's why we need to give through the church and through missions. You know, we give gifts at Christmas time to celebrate and honor the birthday of Jesus, but we ought to begin our gift giving with Him. And so today, we're going to ask you to give the most generous gift that you can to Jesus for Christmas. And I can do that unashamedly because it is for Him, and I know what that work will go to do. And we're gonna use that money given to our church today for our mission to move people on a simple journey toward Jesus. Tony's already shared a little bit more about the Unreleased Initiative. It's an effort to firm up our mission, erase our debt for greater, greater ministry, and also to accomplish the several other key initiatives that advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. These are the things that reflect the heart of Jesus Christ. What would Jesus do if he were here with his resources? He would give them and use them to benefit people, right? Jesus didn't have to have money. But understand that Jesus' ministry was funded by wealthy people. You hear about them every now and then sprinkled throughout the Scripture. And some names come up. We haven't done a study of that lately. But names come up of wealthy people who were funding Jesus' ministry, his travel, his food, his benevolence. They were funding that. And they were kind of the financial power behind him. And that's what you and I get a chance to partner with him as well. But Jesus' ministry basically had three main components. Number one, care for the poor. Caring for poor people. Jesus had a heart for poor people. You know, most of us have never truly seen poverty. And I can say that because before I went to Haiti, I had never seen poverty. I had never seen it. Now, I've seen some poor people here in this country, but I have never seen true poverty like they have in Haiti because... They, it's, a, it's a nation that's just laid waste. I mean, it has been for years. We are deeply invested in Haiti as a church. And you hear about that frequently, I'm, I'm sure. But they have inadequate food and water and housing. It is a shock to the system when you go to Haiti. I mean, I remember the first morning I was there when we were driving through Port-au-Prince and I just could not believe it. As it got daylight and we were driving past miles and miles of people and, and, and homes, if you could call them that, just unbelievable. But we as a church, we care about the poor. We don't have that kind of poverty in, in central Kentucky. We don't have that. But we are able to help the poor through Haiti and other missions that we have around the world. We've done that for as long as I can. I've been around, even before that. Secondly, there's care for those who are in crisis or those for an emergency or immediate need. A few weeks ago, We had a lady, Cindy uh, Mendoza, I believe is her name. And she is with Cindy's Hope. We featured her in our Impact Time. And she has a ministry in Kenya and Rwanda. They have a rescue center there for girls who are exploited and abused. And they have several academies with hundreds of children that are being fed and educated. That's important to know. That intrigues me about what they are doing in Rwanda and Kenya. We support Eliminate International. I was able to go down there a few couple years ago, in, down into Guatemala, the largest slum in Guatemala, um, where they daily give out food and education to people who are in need. We, we support Natalie's Sisters and Refuge for Women. Both of these ministries take women from the sex industry and give them new life and hope. We are able to be a part of that ministry. We work with International Disaster Emergency Services to be on the scene in natural and man-made disasters. And by the way, uh, Richie brought in the gift catalog for this year, and you got to get on this if you're going to do it. But here's an opportunity to give in ways that will help people, practical ways that you can give and provide um, for people who are struggling. They're back on the tables, both tables in the back. And I would encourage you maybe to pick up one if you have children or if you don't do it, but with small kids, you can actually see what you're doing and giving to people who are, are in, in crisis or immediate need. We're able to be a part of that. We also work with Assurance Crisis Pregnancy Center to help those who are in crisis pregnancies. And uh, we know that that is a, a, a great need. So there's the poor, there's those who are in crisis or immediate need. But then more importantly, Jesus' greatest ministry was to seek and save the lost, Right? Knowing that we can feed every person in the world, we could solve the water problem, the poverty, the housing problem, and everything else, but that wouldn't even touch the greatest problem that we all have, and that is sin, that we're lost. And that's why Jesus said, you know, you're always going to have the poor with you, but his mission was even greater than the poor, even greater than feeding people. And the great thing, we can do both and tell people about Jesus while we're feeding them as well, right? But the third mission was telling people about Jesus and the gospel. Now, we do that here through all of our ministries and everything, but we do that intentionally through Fellowship of Christian Athletes here that we support heavily. Bug Brown, we love her and the ministry that she has, middle school and high school. We do that through Christian Student Fellowship at UK, uh, which is in one of the great areas in the colleges today. All the missions we serve, like training ministers in Europe, supporting missionaries in a, in a Muslim country, planting a church in Vancouver, Washington, and supporting and partnering with a rural church in Haiti. Those are all things that we do. When you give, that's what it goes toward, telling people about Jesus. We do a lot around the world, but it doesn't even really cover what we do here at the church for Jesus. And that was like our, our breakfast with Santa event. You know, I told you last week, we were, or a couple weeks ago, whatever it was, we were gonna bait and switch. We're going to call it Breakfast with Santa, but really is about Jesus. And, and we did that, and there were hundreds and hundreds. I don't know how many people who passed through here, many of them unchurched, and maybe the only time they hear about Jesus this Christmas. That's important. That's significant. That's eternal stuff right there. When you give to Jesus, you do all of that. Is that amazing? I, I think that's amazing, personally. So let me just say this, that if you are a regular giver at Journey Church, thank you. Thank you. Because you understand that in order for us to be able to do these things, somebody has to give. There is no government support. There's no outside funding. Everything that happens and comes into our church comes in through the generosity of you. That's where it comes from. So if you're a regular giver here at Journey, thank you. If you're not, we invite you to join us. And you can start that today by spending less on things that people don't want, don't matter, and giving to Jesus. And I want to challenge all of us to do that because right now we're in the middle of the spending season, right? And it's very easy to let things get totally out of control. I mean, it's possible to even go into debt at Christmas because we want someone to have something. And and in many cases, it, it doesn't really matter anyway. We're trying to decide what and how much to buy. Next week, I hope you come back because we're going to talk about how to spend less and make our spending count. But today, we're talking about giving more. And here is the miracle. Guys, this honestly is a miracle. And I have to tell you, I, I want to say that for years, I didn't understand this, but the older I get and the more, the deeper we get into this, into faithfulness, the amazing thing is that when we give, we actually get more so we can give more. And not everybody understands that. And I don't, I don't know how to convince you except to try it. I really don't because I, it just amazes us. Lori and I, we just shake our heads sometime. We don't understand it. But the reality is true. God, is, God promises and he is faithful. In Luke chapter six, it says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And Malachi 3, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I believe that. And you will too if you try that. And I just pray that you'll do that. You see, giving in Jesus' name and giving to Jesus is the smartest financial advice I could ever give you. I'm not a financial whiz. I'm really not, but, but I do know this. This is the best thing you could ever do. Today, Lori and I are gonna give our first and our biggest gift to Jesus. We've been able to do that because we have planned for it and because God has blessed us. And we've understand that. You know, And that's part of the Advent conspiracy to say no to what the world says is so important that we ought to say yes to and say yes to what the world rejects. The world says, given your money, Away is foolish. But God says when you give to Him, it's the smartest thing that you could possibly do. And I want to encourage you to think and pray about that. We need to counter our culture, spend less on what doesn't matter, and give more to Jesus, what does matter, the one who made us and gave us everything that we have. And guys, for the personal blessing and for the fulfillment that you will get in giving, you'll be rewarded. And I will say that I have never given a dime away that I miss later, never. Because God always replaces it and blesses it and and provides more. But here's the thing, here's the closing. One day, you're gonna be that person in the scripture in Matthew chapter 25. That wasn't just given as a story. It wasn't just given as like, hey, think about this. I believe this is true, like I believe all the Bible's true, that one day we're gonna be in that story. And we're going to be standing before the king. And you will give an account for the life that you will live. And you'll hear one of two things. One of two things. Notice there wasn't a third option. Like you just opted out. One of two things. Here it is. You're going to hear. Come you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. That's what we want to hear. Basically the old well done, good, good and faithful servant or you will hear the other. Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And the basis for that judgment will be how we gave to Jesus. That's what the story's about. I'm not making this stuff up. It's right out of God's Word. So understand that. You know, your gift to Jesus begins with yourself. Because I really believe the only way that we can truly give to Jesus is if we are fully in with him and we've given him our life and our heart. And even if we haven't given our life to him, we're still going to be, hear that judgment. We're still going to hear that judgment from God because everybody will stand before him and we'll be judged on that basis. But once you are truly his, all his, all in, Then the love of Christ compels us to give and we start to test him like he said and we see what God can do and we say, wow, this is a win. This is the smartest thing I ever did financially. And then we start to see how our giving blesses other people and then we start to see how that brings glory to God and we say, wow, that's what really matters, what really matters. So guys, that's my conclusion today. Just leaving it there on the table and letting you think and pray about what God is telling you and teaching you. Can all this happen overnight? Maybe not. You know, maybe, maybe you have spent in a way that wasn't that smart and you kind of got yourself in a hole and you got to dig out of it. But maybe this would be the beginning of you coming out to be able to give to God in the way that you know He would love and that would honor Him. That's my challenge to you. But first of all, my greatest challenge is that you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to be up here after the the message and after communion, Tony will be on the other side. And um, if you want to talk to us about this, this it's the most serious thing in the entire world. We'd love to do that.